0: Well, it's that time of year again, spooky creatures are roaming lawns, skeletons are out of the closet, and pumpkins are way overpriced. It's Halloween, and it's time to bust out your camera and get to creating some creepy or cute Halloween shots. But sometimes capturing just the right Halloween moment can be difficult. It's dark, kids are moving lots, and you can't quite seem to nail that image you've always wanted. Well, Today on the podcast, we will talk about the things you need to know to create some awesome Halloween photos. This is episode 39 of the Travel and Adventure Photography School podcast. I'm your host, Robert Massey. Thank you so much for joining me here today and for taking the time to increase your own photographic knowledge. This podcast is a part of the educational arm of Robert Massey Photography, my content creation firm in Calgary, Alberta. We specialize in crafting adventurous images of people doing what they love. If you want to follow along on our journey, you can do so on Instagram at Robert Massey Photography. Now, on with our show. This is a bit of a longer episode, so let's not waste any time and just go right into some of the things to keep in mind as you shoot Halloween pictures. After that, we will cover how to make some of those jaw dropping Halloween shots like ghosts and images and levitation. First off, the basics. Tip number one the exposure triangle. Had to know this was coming. Many Halloween photos will be taken at dusk or after dark with lots of movement and running around, especially if you are dealing with excited trick-or-treaters. They really just tend to be running absolutely everywhere. So to keep up with the action and make sure your little monsters aren't just blurs in the night, you will need to keep your shutter speed reasonably high, at least 1 200th of a second, preferably higher if you can get away with it. To counter this decrease in light, you're going to need to raise your ESO and make your aperture as wide as you can. Shooting with fast lenses, i.e. 2.8 and lower, will help to take the best nighttime photos. Just don't forget that your depth of field is going to be really limited. After dropping your aperture and setting a fast shutter speed, start raising your ESO until your image is exposed correctly. Today, most cameras do a great job shooting with high ESOS, like 3200 and above. My motto has always been to make sure that your subjects are in focus and not blurred because you can't do anything in it in post if your subject is out of focus or if your subject is blurry. Grain you can deal with and some grainy photos are better than having out of focus and blurry subjects. So just deal with a high ISO as long as it's still a usable image. Now, if you're shooting your Halloween pictures on your smartphone, like I know a lot of people do, you are going to need to have access to your camera settings. On an iPhone, this means downloading a third-party app like Halide or Moment that allows you to dictate the shutter speed, ESO, and aperture. And while you're at it, that lets you shoot in RAW. On Android smartphones, some of them I know you can get access to the camera settings. So if you have that, great, go for it. If you don't, once again, download a third-party app. And if your camera doesn't shoot in RAW... Get a third-party app that lets you shoot in RAW. This just allows for way more leeway in editing and being able to recover some detail from those highlights and shadows, even just a little bit more, could make a big difference in your photo. One thing to note, most smartphones just don't do great nighttime images while subjects are moving. If you have the choice of using a higher-end camera, even though it's bigger and bulkier than your smartphone, I'd fully suggest doing that. Tip number two, night mode on smartphones. Staying with that smartphone camera, try to avoid using night mode if your subject is moving. Night mode can take fantastic photos, but it is at its best when things in the photo aren't moving around. This is because most night mode functions work on smartphones by taking multiple images very quickly and then layering them back on top of one another. Which means if something in the image is moving quite a bit, the smartphone can't really adjust for that. Think like someone walking or running around or waving their arms super excitedly. The movement will just end up blurred or it'll confuse the smartphone quite badly and night shots can get really screwed up with a lot of movement. So this is where those third-party apps come in handy because you can take control of your smartphone's camera and really dictate what it's doing. All right, tip number three, get out before dark. To create the best images of people in their costumes without needing to resort to setting up lights and all that kind of fun stuff, head out an hour before dark to take photos. This way, you will still have enough ambient light to capture all the details without cranking your ESO or getting into some weird issues in all those beautiful costumes people are wearing. And you still get some of that creepy ambiance of lit up pumpkins, glowing street lights, any of the Halloween decorations people have out. So dusk is the greatest time to kind of get those detailed photos of costumes. Tip number four, use your flash sparingly. One of the great things about Halloween photos is the ambiance. They are darker and grainier and you have all these great jack-o'-lanterns and other light-up ornaments that add to the scene. Because of this, you will want to be very, very careful with your flash and how or if you choose to use it. Honestly, on your smartphone, just don't use the flash. It's horrible in the best of conditions and at night, it's only going to turn things into a harsh, washed-out mess. The same goes for the pop-up flash on your DSLR. It will most likely ruin the photo you are trying to take. If you want to add a little extra light to a scene, think carefully about where and how you are using it. You can use off-camera lighting if you own some, but it, once again, gets in the way of just running around and exploring and doing all that because you got to set it up. Or you can use a flashlight that you can control the intensity on, and you can diffuse the light coming out of that flashlight with wax paper or a plastic bag, and you can even add some color to the light, like a spooky orange glow, by putting an orange plastic bag on the light. Now, this obviously won't offer the same quality as some studio lights or off-camera lighting solutions, but still, it's a quick, dirty, and cost-effective option for creating off-camera lighting. Now, when you think about where to put the light, look carefully at what other light elements are in the scene and try not to blow them out. Like the candles and jack-o'-lanterns or streetlights. You really don't want to lose that ambiance element. And while you're looking around, decide if you really need to use that off-camera light, or if you can reposition your subject to get them closer to those ambient light sources and use them to illuminate your subject. Think something like putting your subject's face next to a glowing pumpkin, and that can add a wonderful warm glow to their face. Just be very careful if it's actual fire, obviously. Don't burn them. Don't have any issues like that. So there are lots of options around to create ambient lighting if you're willing to just do some repositioning and get into some fun, funky angles. Now, tip number five, monster lighting. There is one way you can use flash to enhance your Halloween photos, and that's by positioning it underneath your subject and shooting up towards their faces. This creates a wholly unflattering image of Anyone. It doesn't matter who you are. Monster lighting does not look good. But it is how you create that classic monster-esque feel in some forms of photos. Think about what happens when someone holds a flashlight under their face to tell scary stories around the campfire. This is exactly what you're doing with your flash. Or, for that matter, a flashlight, actually. Plus... Let's be honest, kids and adults alike tend to have a lot of fun making different scary faces while doing this, which honestly leads to some hilarious photos. So creating monster lighting can actually be a lot of fun to show off a lot of emotion and energy and happiness in your subjects. Tip number six, get to eye level. Now this is standard in shooting pretty much any portrait, but get to the eye level of your subject. For most of us at Halloween, this means shrinking down to get to a kid's point of view. This angle change can dramatically and drastically improve your images, even if nothing else in the shot changes. This fills the frame with the child, it doesn't make them look super small and tiny, and reminds viewers of what it was like to see the world from a kid's perspective. So get down to their height. And tip number seven, carry a tripod. This isn't the fun one to suggest, but for many of the most advanced Halloween photos, you will need a tripod. It doesn't matter if you're shooting DSLR or smartphone, a tripod will dramatically improve your Halloween photos. It will stabilize your basic shots of kids running around, collecting candy, and enable you to create the images we will talk about next in the second half of this episode. Now, if necessary, pick up a tripod mount for your cell phone. Look for one that clamps sturdily to your phone and allows you to easily rotate your smartphone between landscape and portrait modes. My current cell phone mount doesn't actually do this. I need to rely on the tripod's ball head to change orientation, which drastically alters an image composition. So look for one that allows you to change orientations without moving anything on the tripod. It just makes life a little bit simpler and allows you to move a little bit quicker if you're shooting with a smartphone. Okay, so that's some of the basics of taking Halloween photos. Now let's talk about how you can create two classic Halloween shots, capturing a ghost and levitation. Let's start with capturing a ghost on film, or sensor more likely in our case. To do this, you will need a tripod, remote shutter trigger, or a camera that can do a delayed shutter, and be able to choose your shutter speed. These are the photos where you just get that impression of someone or something in the frame. You can see them, but you can also see through them. They are a great way to add some fun spookiness to your Halloween shots and honestly, they are pretty easy to do. The easiest way to do these photos is at night or at dusk because you will need to drag open your shutter. But with a good ND filter, you can also do these during the day. To start, place your camera on a tripod and pick your composition you'll want to choose where in the frame your subjects will be and where they will go. So decide if they will be in the frame multiple times or if they will disappear entirely from the picture. This makes a difference because they need to know where to leave the image, how far into the image they need to be to start, where your image ends so they're not standing right on the edge of the frame or anything like that. And you don't want them just kind of deciding as they wander around because that'll lead to indecision and they probably won't move to the right spots. So decide on your composition and decide on where your subjects will move within the frame and what they're going to do before you get to actually shooting the image. Now, once you have the composition down, set your camera to manual mode and choose a 30 second shutter speed. Adjust your other settings to get a proper exposure that balances the highlights and shadows in the scene. This is pretty easy to do at night, but like I said before, if you are trying to do this during the day, you are going to need a neutral density filter to add stops of light. This is because it's just too bright in the middle of the day to really drag open a shutter and create this ghost effect. Now, getting the exposure right may take some trial and error, so take a few test shots to ensure everything looks good and adjust as you need to. Now that you've got your settings down, get everyone into position. Then, use a remote trigger or the timer mode to fire the camera off. This is so that you don't shake your camera by pressing the shutter button. Every little tiny movement is amplified when you are using a long exposure. Let everyone know once the image has started going and get them to move through the frame as necessary, counting them if you need to, doing whatever you need to so everyone is properly moving around the frame and directing them where they need to go. Now just remember it can be really tempting for people to move really quickly through these images. But if they do that, they won't necessarily be recorded. The longer they stand in one place, the more solid they will appear in the frame. So if someone stands still for that full 30 seconds, they'll just appear there as though it's a normal image with probably some little bits of movement because honestly, we're human. We can't stand perfectly still for 30 seconds. And the less time they stand there, the less imprinted they'll be on the frame. So generally, I find standing still for about four to five seconds in a thirty-second frame, and then moving on, will leave a ghostly imprint of a person being there, but they'll still look really translucent. It's kind of that good blend between yes, there is definitely a person there, and no, there's that's just weird shadowing going on. So try about four to five seconds, see if that works in your composition. Like I already said, this will likely take some trial and error to get just right, so be ready to do this shot a few times over, and try different movements, positions, give yourself lots of options, and have a lot of fun with it. These images are great to create, and when you see the final product, they are just so wickedly cool. And that's it. Now you've hopefully created your ghostly Halloween image. The other really fun Halloween image is a levitation shot. This one is more complicated than creating the ghost image, as it will involve some post-processing. These are the fabulous shots that make it look like someone is levitating in the air. Now, many people think these shots are created by having someone jump or fall backwards, but that doesn't really work. It just looks like you have taken a photo of someone falling rather than rising up from the ground. The difference here is in the clothing and the hair. When someone is falling, their clothing and hair go upwards towards the sky, but when they are floating and being pulled up from the earth, their clothing and hair hangs down towards the ground. And that's a pretty big difference. Even if it's little tiny bits of movement, like the hair just slightly being up or the clothing just slightly moving upwards, you can tell the photo doesn't look quite right. Truly awesome, floating, levitating images create that clothing dragging effect. Now, to do this shot, you will need a tripod, a remote shutter trigger, a stool, and Photoshop or another high-end editing software to get this done. To start, set up your scene. A favorite of photographers is to have someone floating over a bed. So you can even just try this in your own bedroom. You can see my own quick take at this when I decided to do it at the last minute here in my own bedroom here at home. Um... The levitation photo is up on the show notes on the website and you can also see a time lapse of what I was doing in the room to kind of get it set up move around and that you can do these levitation photos yourself. They don't always turn out the greatest um, but you can definitely do them so this is not a multi-person project you can do it on your own. So head to the website traveladventurephotographyschool.com and go to the show notes for this episode and you'll be able to see the time lapse and see my levitation photo to kind of get a good idea of what's going on but I'm sure most people know what's going on when I say levitation images. So as you're picking your composition, setting up your scene, choose what is and isn't in the frame. So you're looking to get rid of distractions. You're looking to get rid of things that will be behind your subject that will be really hard to deal with and make sure that it all looks natural around them. Just, you know, typical composition. Make sure it's all set up right. Now get your camera set up on your tripod and expose the scene. Generally, you're going to want a mid-range aperture so that most of the frame is in focus, but this is totally subjective to your art style. Keep your ISO as low as you possibly can and maintain a decent shutter speed. Because no one in the scene is moving, you can shoot this at 1 one-hundredth of a second and that should be totally fine. Once you have everything set up on the tripod, do not touch it again. Don't touch that tripod. Don't touch that camera. That is the reason to have your remote shutter. Because... That tripod can't move even a millimeter, otherwise it'll throw off bits of your image. This kind of shot only works if the camera doesn't move between takes. Now, using your remote shutter release, take a picture of your scene. Don't include your levitating subject just yet. You need a control shot without the minute for this to work. Now, I usually take two or three just to make sure I've got what I need. Now, put your stool down where you will have your subject levitating and help them get onto it in the position you want them in. This can include lying down, sitting cross-legged, standing, whatever. Just make sure they are safe and comfortable and can stay in that position for a few moments without shaking too badly because that'll show up in a frame because we're shooting with a slightly slower shutter speed. So make sure that they are comfortable. Once they are settled safely, arrange their clothing so it hangs down nicely. You don't want anything bunched up on the stool, or caught up anywhere. You want it all to look like it's flowing down to the earth naturally. And just make sure that there is some separation between your subject's clothes and what it looks like they're levitating off of, like the ground or the bed. This separation is critical to your viewer believing the illusion of your subject levitating. Once you have everything arranged, get out of the scene and take a couple photos of your subject using that remote trigger. Have them try a few different head positions or hand-foot positions without moving around too much subtle changes can make a big difference in the final product you may love one image where your subject is staring straight at the camera when in your head you had been picturing them looking skywards so try a few different shots now that you have everything arranged to find what you really really love once the photos are done help your subject off the stool look at them review them right there on your camera make sure that you don't need to shoot anything else or that anything moved make sure that you've got your shots And what you do, upload your images into your editing software. Pick one of the control images that you like the look of, the one without the subject in it, pick one of those, and then one with your subject. Now open them both as layers in Photoshop. Place the one with the subject on top for now so it is visible, and then remove the stool from the image using your favorite item eliminating method. I've done this using the erase function, the clone stamp, and pretty much everything else in Photoshop. The erase function can work great to get rid of that stool in the image, Although the select subject thing that Photoshop does now is brilliant and spectacular, especially if your subject is wearing a very different color than what they were sitting on and what they're levitating around. So say it's a really blue-green kind of room and they're wearing red, your subject really pops out there, and Photoshop's select subject tool does a great job with that. And that can be a super easy way to just pluck them out of the image and drop them back into the control image. Super simple, super fast. Now, once you've taken the stool out or moved your levitating subject over, do the rest of your edits, make sure that the image is blending, and you're done. Uh, One of the things before you're done to check out for is actually to make sure you've added shadows back in and that your subject is properly shadowing the ground. This is why I tend to remove the stool rather than like plopping your subject back into another image because then you have to redo all the shadowing do all that kind of stuff whereas if you just remove the stool and use the control image for that little bit you don't really have to worry too much about where the shadows are being cast from your subject levitating and now you've crafted your levitation photo good job congratulations those are my simple tricks and some treats for crafting awesome halloween photos If you go out shooting this Halloween, send me some of your pictures, especially if you try capturing a ghost or levitating someone. I would love to see your work. I have been so inspired by some of the photos and some of the things people have been sending me that have been inspired by this podcast. So keep it up. Keep sending those in. I love seeing that work. So you can send it to me on Instagram at Travel Adventure Photo School, or you can send it to my business account at Robert Massey Photography. And as always, you can see the full show notes like we talked about earlier at TravelAndAdventurePhotographySchool.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today and congrats on taking some time to grow your photographic skills. Now get out there and create some ghoulishly fun Halloween images. Let's adventure. Bye for now.